God is good all the time, ain't he? I have a lot of scriptures there. The Bible is better than I am. And I'm so thankful that he is. And I do read from the King James Version. If you have your own version, that's fine. If there's something you'd like to say about it, that's okay. And that's because I grew up with King James Version Bible. I memorized a lot of scriptures, and I still know a lot of the scriptures I memorized. When I go to the other versions, they're different. I just like to read in the King James Version of the Bible, but you can read in whatever version you want. I will not teach like Brian. I'm not him. I won't teach like Kay. I won't be like any other teacher. I am just me. And I just have to give you what I felt, the first kings. And that kept coming to my mind and coming to my mind. And I said, Lord, the scripture for this topic is all scattered out. I don't think I can read all of this. But I, I need to get another scripture. So I went looking for another one, but I didn't find one. And I kept going back to this. So I'm going to start out tonight by asking you one question, and I'm going to try to be fast with my Bible reading so we can talk about these a little bit. And this topic is going to be on King Solomon. Now, all of you know King Solomon, and he was a very, very wise king. I hope today I can have a little bit of that wisdom that God hands out, okay? And we're going to begin probably in chapter 3 at the first verse. But first, I have something I want to ask you. How many people in here saw our king coronation on the TV? I usually see just a little bit of it. But this time, I happened to be home and I sat and watched and something come through my mind, I thought, I was watching that, and I will tell you, I never realized how much that country trusted in God. All of the stuff they began to tell when they was telling the king what he needed to do and uh, the vows he needed to make, they really brought out Christ quite often, didn't they, Bill? If you watched it, it was wonderful to sit there and watch it. And I don't usually watch a lot of stuff like that, but it was a wonderful thing to watch that because they constantly was referring to Christ. And I begin to think, I'm certain many, many years ago, a lot of people come from those countries to America because they come saying they wanted freedom. How far have we maybe come from some of the freedom we need in America? We need to look at Christ and start saying Christ is the center point, like they were in that formation. But we're going to read, we're going to start reading in the third chapter of 1 Kings. You've got your notes and you know where I'm going to be reading. And I'm going to read down to verse 27 in this. And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of David his father, only he sat 
sacrifice to burn incense in high places. And the king went to give him to sacrifice there, for that was great high place, a thousand burnt offerings to Solomon offered upon the altar. And Gideon the Lord appeared to Solomon. Now remember, we're talking about the Lord appearing to Solomon. And a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, Thou hast shown to thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness, and uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him, a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or to come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgments. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked. I have given you both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and offered peace offerings and made a feast to all the servants. Okay, now we're going to go back. I'm at verse 15. We're going to go back up here and we're going to talk about some of this stuff. If you remember David's life, when it started out, if I remember right now, if I'm wrong, y'all can correct me because I didn't study way back on it. But I think his first wife was Micah. She laughed at David when he went dancing before the Lord. <laughs> anyway, she got took away. She got given to another man. And he didn't have her anymore. Now, when we think about David, we think about all of his wives and all of the stuff that he had. He had great wisdom, but he went through a lot of things, but he still trusted in God. And I thought about that as I was reading this. Even when it come time for him to be king, and God had said to David, you shouldn't build my house. Your son will. Because you've had wars in your life. You have fought wars. You've been a, a warrior. And a lot of blood's been shed in your life. But your son will build my house. That's what he said. 
time had come that David was going to die. He was very weak. They done everything to help him they could. You can read back before this. And when it come time for him to die, there was another son that was born to David and Tabitha. This son was her fourth son, but he decided he was going to take over the kingship when he knew David was going to die. Well, you know, everybody had been, uh, everybody knew that God had said no, Solomon would be the king. So the Lord worked it out, sent messengers to, to King David, and Solomon was made king. You know, when God says something, we should obey and we should believe and understand it. So if you're following along in your questions, we're going to look at the next thing. Why did God give such wisdom to King Solomon? He asked for it. God asked him what he wanted, and that's what he asked for. You know, he could have asked for wealth or fame or anything, but what else did he give him? He gave him something else, even though he asked only for wisdom. What else did he give him? Riches and honor. So that, that's your next question there. God gave him riches and honor. You know, I think anytime we ask of God in sincerity, we ask for what we think we want, then God gives us what we need. You know, sometimes he sees ahead and he knows more about us than we do. If I ask for wisdom, he didn't know I needed even more to go along with it. I'd need wisdom, but I'd need the knowledge, and I'd need all of the riches I could to go with it. So he gave that to Solomon. Then we're going to read on down. I think it's in third chapter, 15th verse. We're going to, we're going to read down from 16. And it says, Then came there two women that were harlots unto the king, and stood before him. And the one woman said, Oh, my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in, a house, in the house. And it came to pass the third day after that I was delivered that this woman was delivered also. And we were together. There was no strangers in the house, she says. Anyway, we go on down in verse 19. And this woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. In other words, I guess she rolled over on it. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while thine handmaid slept and laid it in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. When she arose, she found she had the dead child. So they had come before Solomon. One of them was saying, this child is mine. The other was saying, no, this child is mine. The other one said that there was an argument going on before between them. That's my child. No, the dead child's yours. The living child's mine. So what do you think Solomon did? He said, divide this child. Let's just cut it in two. We'll give half to one mother and half to the other mother. And guess what? The mother that was not the mother of the child, she said, that'll be fair. Let's cut it in two and give it to us. The real mother said, oh, no, don't harm that child. Leave it. Give it to her. That's a true mother's love. So... Why did, what did the story of the two hearted women and the babies confirm about King Solomon? 
then definitely God had given that wisdom, didn't he? It confirmed that he was wise. God had given the wisdom that he had asked for. Okay? We're going to, I'm not going to finish reading that because we've got a lot of scriptures down here. To chapter 5, verse 3 through 5. Starting at the third verse, it said, Thou knowest how that David, my father, now he was talking to Hiram, king of Tyre. He was talking to him and he said, Thou knowest how that David, my father, could not build an house unto the name of the Lord, his God, for the wars which were about him on every side until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God hath given me rest on every side, so that there is neither adversary nor evil occurred. And behold, I propose to build a house of the Lord, a house for my God, as the Lord spoke unto David my father, saying, Thy son, whom I will set before thy throne, in thy room he shall build a house unto my name. Okay, so it was commanded by God and by King David that he would be the one that would build the house of the Lord. Why was King Solomon building the house of God instead of King David, his father? So you have really two different reasons. One of them was that God said, that's who you build the house. The other one was he didn't want David to build it because he had been shed so much blood and been in so many wars. We're going to read in the 6th chapter and the 14th verse. Okay, on the 14th verse, it says, So Solomon built the house and finished it. It was a long battle to get that house built. The Lord confirmed there that Solomon actually got the house built and he finished it. On chapter 6, Verse 21 and 22. It says, So Solomon overlaid the house within with pure gold, and he made a partition by the chains of gold before the oracles, and he overlaid it with gold. And the whole house he overlaid with gold until he had finished all the house, also the whole entire altar that was by the oracles he overlaid with gold. And it goes on to tell how fine it was and all. You can read on as much as you want to in those chapters. But that question said, what was most of the house of God overlaid with? It was gold. And you also know if you read on in some of those that you're going to find that David, everything he drank out of was gold. His cups was gold. Uh, it was a very fine place that he built because he had the wisdom to do it. And he didn't get the throne taken away from him like the one son wanted to do. Okay, we're going on down to 638B. And it said in the 11th year in the month, which is the eighth month, was the house finished throughout all the parts thereof and according to all the fashion of it. So was the seven years, and so was he seven years in building the house. It took seven years to build that house. Then we're going to go to chapter 9. I'm going to skip a little bit. Now, don't think this stuff is that unimportant because I'm skipping. I just didn't have time to go through all of it. If you read this, it's got a lot of jewels in it. Chapter 9, verse 1. 
And it came to pass when Solomon had finished the building of the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon's desire, which he was pleased to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared unto him at Gibeon. And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. I have hollowed this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever. And mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. And if thou wilt, if thou wilt, walk before me as David thy father walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded thee, and will keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of my kingdom upon Israel forever, as I promised to do to David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man upon the throne of Israel. I don't know if you've ever paid too much attention, but all through all through these kings, when you come upon something where God says, I'm putting this one on the throne, I'm doing this, and you know, all through it. All through the Old Testament, you see where things happened and kings was dethroned and this one was put up, but there was always a place for David's lineage because God promised it and he kept that promise. And he says, but if he shall at all turn from following me, you are your children and will not keep my commandments and my statutes which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them. Then will I cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them in this house, which I have hollowed for my name. Will I cast out of my sight? And Israel shall be a proverb and a byword among all people. And at this house, which is high, everyone that passeth by it shall be astonished and shall hiss. And they shall say, Why hath the Lord done thus unto this land and to this house? And they shall answer, because they forsook the Lord your God, who brought forth their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and have taken hold upon other gods, and have worshipped them, and served them. Therefore hath the Lord brought upon them all this evil. Why did the Lord appear to Solomon a second time? This was the second time. He had appeared to him the first time when we read in chapter 3. This time was the second time he had appeared. And my question to you, and I would like you to write it in your own words, why did the Lord appear to Solomon a second time as he had in Gideon? Why do you think it was necessary for him to appear the second time unto Solomon? I think that's probably true, Daddy. But there's still more. Anybody got another one? Why did he also then alter over alter prior to this? Then it made him sacrifice and things to other gods before this. Yes, he was. Or that God covenant. So, yeah, he done it before to be a just reminder to go back to your old man. I think God appeared to Solomon the second time because he wanted him to know there is good if you follow your instructions. But if you fail to follow them, you're going to pay the consequences. Because we will see later that he did. I think that was the main message 
Now you write it in your own words, but I think that was the main message, the way I look at it, that he gave. Uh, he gave the message to Solomon when he appeared to him. He said, if you do good and you keep my statutes and you keep my commandments that I have given you, then you will be great. But if you don't, you're going you're gonna to face the consequences. Okay, we're going to read 1 Kings chapter 11, 1 through 4. Let's go to chapter 11 because that's got a lot, a really lot of good nuggets about Solomon. Now, before we get to chapter 11, if you notice when you're reading through, if you're reading straight through, you notice that the Queen of Sheba, the kings of all the nations, everybody came to Solomon because of his wisdom. They wanted to know what he had to say. And one of the things I really liked when Queen of Sheba came, she said, and, and this was after she had been shown through all of his pleasure. And she said to the king, it was a crude report that I heard in my own land of, of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit, I believe not the word until I came, and mine eyes have seen it, and behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and thy prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men, happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee, and that hear thy wisdom. So she says, not only have you got wisdom and all of this stuff, but your people are happy to live with you. And when I'm down there, if you read more, you'll say, and she talked about all of the abundance of the food that he had that he provided so well for his people. And all of these kings and queens who came, they give him praise. And we know because they give him praise, it was because of the wisdom that God had given him. He knew how to take care of everything that God had given him. In chapter 11, verse 1 through 4, we're going to see the cap about question 9. It says, But King Solomon loved many strange women together with the with the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, all them heights. <laughs> of the nations, of, he loved them all, uh, concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, you shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon claimed unto these in love. And he had 700 wives and princesses and 300 concubines and his wives turned away his heart. That was an awful lot of wives and concubines, wasn't it? I, I got to, you know, I thought, man, them wives didn't get to spend too much time with their husbands. <laughs> First over there, it says, For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord, his God, as was the heart of David, his father. That question 9 says in chapter 11, what caused King Solomon and King David's heart to be different? David was a man after God's own heart. Solomon's love was love for women, love for everything, not only love to God. So his love was divided. His heart was divided, but King David's heart was not divided. I know we're going to say, what about Bathsheba? <laughs> David 
David repented. God forgave him. His first son died. If you remember, his first son died. God told him, said, because of this, your son will die. And David weeped and begged and prayed to God. But he wouldn't eat or drink. But when the child died, if you remember, the servants came to him and he said, fix me something to eat. And they were astonished. He hasn't ate. He's been so burdened about the fact that he's going to lose his son. He hasn't ate. And David said, I can't do nothing else here. You know the verse. He said, he can't come back to me, but I can go to him. So he thanked God because he knew he could go to him, but he couldn't come back to him. So he said, there's no need in me worrying. God made the decision because I've been wrong. And I have to face those consequences. Sometimes we face lots of consequences we don't want to face, don't we? And sometimes there are major. We're going to read on down chapter 11. Why did the heart difference make God angry at Solomon? He definitely is a jealous God. I will read you the verse here, uh, verse 5. In chapter 11 that I was looking at, it said, For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess, and the Zidonites, and blah, 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 all in the heights and everything, <laughs> the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord as David, his father. So David really went fully after God, but Solomon did not. Why did the heart difference make God angry at Solomon? We're going to read down to verse 11. We already read, read to 6. Then did Solomon build in high place for the penis, the abomination of Moab, and the hill in the, that is before Jerusalem, for Moab, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all the his strange wives which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their God. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. He had already appeared unto him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded him. Therefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and that has not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and I will give it to thy servant. We all know that that happened, didn't it? But, like I said, still he left honor to David. He left a key in there that would honor David as his heritage. He never forgot that. All through the Bible, when you go back, if he made a promise, he kept it. If he made a promise and said, you're going to have somebody to sit on the throne forever, he, he kept it. He didn't just say, well, just for today and tomorrow, then you're going to lose all of it. He made that commitment to, to David. Okay, we're going to read one more verse. How long was Solomon's kingship in Jerusalem? Forty years. That was a long time, wasn't it? Now, there's a lot more about Solomon. What's your thought about Solomon? Daddy? He helped a lot of people with this. 
He sure did. He may have sacrificed to idols and done wrong. We know that was wrong. But still, he done very much good. And that's why we need to read some of these others. I didn't bring everything out in this. There's so much in there. There's so much golden nuggets that you can get. I have looked at this and I thought, you need to put other stuff in. It makes you wonder all the wisdom that God gave Solomon and all the good that he did if he had used that wisdom in all situations and obeyed God to the fullest, what could he have accomplished? Yeah. That was exactly my last remark I intended to put on here, and I thought, oh, I'm out of time. I thought the same thing. Do you ever think about such a wise person? How come he didn't look at his own life know that he needed to use some wisdom in some of the things he done. Do you ever think about that? I did. All the time I've been preparing this lesson, I thought the very same thing, Linda. I thought, why did he not use that wisdom God had given him for his own life? I know he did, but why didn't he use it more? Because we know he got the kingdom rent from him. He didn't get to keep the kingdom. Why don't we use the wisdom God gives us? Why don't we use the wisdom that God gives us? I guess we're weak, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to think that Solomon was so strong. I guess that's what I'm thinking about. But everybody has temptations. Yeah. See, when I started studying this, in my mind, I thought, all of those women, they, they were the cause of King Solomon doing what he did and worshiping the other gods. But they were just a temptation, weren't they? They were just one of his obstacles that he should have been able to cut off. And he didn't do it, did he? Well, all you got to do is look at the news. All, we have people in charge. We have another country here. Some of the decisions they make are phew, pretty bad. And you wonder why do people do that? I think the human nature yeah. takes over. And you wonder why they're smart people. Yeah. And we wonder why do they make such decisions? They have to know those decisions will come back to harm. But many times that is a fact. Very much a fact. One of the big factors is greed. Seems that our country, our country is going in debt all the time. So, are we making wise decisions? Who knows? But I do know one thing: Solomon had the wisdom to do it. And why he didn't do it, I was like, kind of like Linda said. I just thought, why? Why didn't he use that wisdom to make his life better? Because you know, all the years as I was growing up biggest story that we always heard was about Solomon's love for the women and how they enticed him and caused him. He even built later on, I didn't read all of that, but he built great shrines for these wives that worshipped idols. I mean, you know, he didn't just worship, go and worship the idols himself. He built these big shrines for them to worship in. 
when you have 600 wives and you're building all of them a shrine, there's a lot of uh, idol worship going on there, right? And God doesn't like idol worship. You know, we think that is the worst thing that people can do. But what about us today? I was thinking this week, and I, I you know, all week this has been running in my mind, so forgive me if I just keep laying it out. But I was thinking about it, and I thought, we have wisdom, but yet, and and we know that we're not supposed we're supposed to solely wholly go after God. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to wholly go after God. But sometimes I was planning it, and I I got kind of tired, and I thought, I think I'm going to sit down and just watch a movie. And suddenly the Lord said. In my heart, he said, you know, you need to finish your teaching. And I said, okay. Sometimes we don't say okay. Sometimes we go ahead and do what we want to do versus what God wants us to do. And when we're doing that, are we making an idol out of something else? I think maybe we sometimes do. I think we make idols out we can even make an idol, and it's sad to say so. Nobody quit work because of this. But we can also make an idol out of even our workplace. We have to work and make a living, but sometimes if they offer us 10 hours of overtime, we say, oh, I can do so much with that. You know, I can buy this, I can get this, I can get that. So we kind of use it like an idol. We begin to make more money and money is always coming a root of evil. <laughs> it's something that entices us. We all need it to live. But no matter how much we have, we keep reaching for more. And, and God saying, I can be enough for you. God wants to tell us, I can be enough for you. Read your Bible. Serve me. I can be enough for you. And that don't mean we can't, we don't work. But do it moderately, you know, like God would like for us to. Sometimes he wants us to spend time with him. I have thought so much in the past little bit about my former pastor's wife. And I know she would not care for me telling this. But after he died, she got to where she was having a hard time. And she, I was talking to her and she said, Carol, I don't know when I stopped praying and let Brother McKinley do my praying. She said, I always prayed. And she said, when he was gone, it seemed like I didn't know how to pray. You know, sometimes we aren't advocates of doing what we know to do for God. And when we don't, we fail. And we're making an idol out of something else out there that we want to do more than we want to serve God. And that don't mean you backslid and you're going to die and go to hell or something. But we do not sometimes do what God wants us to do. I'm one of the worst. I'm pointing the fingers back at me. I, I'm, I'm always busy. And sometimes I think, Carol, stop. Stop and just think, you need to do this for God. Just told Bill tonight. I said, you know, I should have took a lady that's 
had something wrong with her. I should have took her a meal, but I didn't. And, and I was thinking that, you know, sometimes we just don't do what we need, what we feel like doing. We get busy with everything else and we decide, I can do that later. 